This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity in Houston, Texas, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America. Please join us on Sundays for worship at 9, 11, and 5, and visit us online at holytrinityrec.org. Please enjoy the sermon. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. In the aftermath of last week's reading of Saul enabling the slaughter of a whole town of God's priests of Nob, the town of Nob, and their family, save one lone priest, we come here today with another challenge facing David. Often in our walk in the faith, especially when we are facing enemies all around, people around us still need our help. It's the Good Samaritan test all over again that we constantly face. Maybe in the story of the Good Samaritan, the priest and the Levite were on their way to take care of someone under their immediate care that was in dire need. And they felt they had no time for the man beaten up on the side of the road. Or maybe they were under duress, as David was, from enemies, and they felt they had no time to stop to attend to the needs of others. David as we've been reading, definitely had a lot to deal with, leading 600 fellow outcasts and avoiding open battle with King Saul. Now along his path and staying alive while Saul tried to kill him, David comes across fellow Israelites under attack from their enemy, the Philistines. Today, let us meditate upon the constant need to help one another, even when it is inconvenient. Verse 1 states, Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are robbing the threshing floors. As we've been reading, as we know scripture, this sort of thing was constant in the life of Israel. They were surrounded by enemy nations that constantly came and raided them, took their supplies, and so forth. Yet here, with David being on the run as a fugitive from the current king, the current governing authority that was responsible for the defense of the land, David comes across a dire need that he is capable of handling. Instead of trying to figure out what to do on his own, David, in verse 2, we read, Therefore David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? God answered in the affirmative. When we encounter similar things in our lives, we must first inquire with God in prayer and how to proceed. Sometimes the answer will be to help as no one else is there. No one else is available. Sometimes God will provide others that see that we are in need ourselves and that they can help. We must pray and seek God's help to do as we are ought as Christians, which is to seek to meet the needs of the destitute, the afflicted, the oppressed, In verse 3, though, David dealt with another side issue here, the side issue of the men that he would rely upon to free this town from the Philistines. His 600 men, as we read, were fearful. They needed assurance if they would help David. As Martin Luther King Jr. wrote about the, uh, the Good Samaritan passage, The first question which the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? 
Again, David asked God in prayer. And again, God provides this answer of assurance not only to David, but to his men. Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. So as we read, David and his men obeyed and went and fought against the Philistines at Keilah, taking their livestock and striking them a great blow, saving the inhabitants. We find often in our faith, when we are under duress, that Keilahs come across our path. That a lone individual beaten up on the side of the road comes along our path in dire need of help. As David did, so too do we need to prayerfully approach these people, these needs. God provides us in the church with fellow members willing and able to help. Sometimes, as with David 600, they need grace to be encouraged. They need grace to be assured to do the right thing. God always provides the way, even if we think the situation is impossible. After their act of mercy in defending and defeating their oppressors at Keilah, we read the following in verse 7. Now it was told Saul that David had come to Keilah, and Saul said, God has given him into my hands, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Notice Saul did two things here. He still thought that God was on his side, even though he had been told in chapters earlier by the prophet Samuel that that was not the case, that God had indeed left him. Notice as well that he showed no gratitude whatsoever for a town of his own people, his own kingdom, saved from a foreign enemy. Saul's decree here was ungodly at all levels, with his only intent at killing the Lord's anointed and killing all those that got in his way. When David heard of Saul plotting again to kill him, again David goes in prayer to see what the town of Keilah would do when they were confronted by Saul. Essentially he asked, would Keilah risk what happened to the priestly city of Nob to defend him, or would they save their own skin to give David up? Sadly, the answer is what we see in verse 12, where God said, they will surrender you. David and his men, as we read, then fled that city, going wherever they could go. This was not an act of cowardice on David's part. Rather, it continued David's resolve to not harm the Lord's anointed in Saul, to spare people from death, not taking matters into his own hands, to end his misery as a fugitive. Often when we encounter times where we feel we could do things quickly to bring about a result we know is right, We miss the point that God's timing is always not our timing. His work needs to be established in his timing, not our timing. When we try to speed things up, God always slows us down. This was not the time. David wisely submitted to God to continue his preservation of life for the Lord's call upon him to eventually take the throne at the right time. Another element here is how we as Christians or how we as Christians respond to people that we have helped in a very meaningful manner, often sacrificing much for them when they turn upon us in some manner, when it's no longer advantageous for them to support us, when things are reversed. How do we reply to these situations? God, though, uses these rough times, these times of betrayal, 
as teaching moments, as moments to prepare us to continue to grow in his care and his grace. Looking at this from the ultimate angle, every one of us as human beings, as sinners, we do this to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when we turn to sin, rather to, to obedience. We all act like the town of Keilah from time to time. Yet through it all, even when we betray him as Peter did, he still gives us the grand opportunity and love beyond comprehension to repent, to be forgiven, to continue to serve him. This is always hard to bear for us that suffer at times through the ingratitude of others as Keilah was about to show David. God always has a deeper purpose, a deeper plan in mind, always pointing us to our Savior, Jesus Christ, always pointing us to the fact that we can't save ourselves. We are not strong enough. We can't always look to others to save us. We can only look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, as David did, looking to God and fleeing with his men, ever waiting on God, ever waiting on his timing. No matter what, God calls us to cling to him in prayer, to stay connected with his body, the church, as we walk in the faith carefully, as wise in our Savior, as Ephesians taught us this morning. In God's timing, just as with David, he pulls us through, even if that pulling through is messy, difficult. While waiting, we are in the best hands on our Savior, Jesus Christ, to do the following from the end of our epistle as David did himself, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen.